Hi, welcome to the Evolution of Faith podcast. My name is Zach. And I'm David. And we're uh, we're excited to talk to you guys today. Uh, we're talking about probably a big, a big topic, one that could, again, as always, take us a lot longer to go through. But we're looking at something that recently happened um, in a church denomination known as the Southern Baptist Convention. And kind of using it as a spring for, springboard for us to talk about other issues and, and thinking about the authority of scripture, how we interpret scripture, how do we deal with people who don't accept our interpretation of a scripture. Um, it is one of the the uglier sides of being Christians mm-hmm. is we have the same book, but man, we all read it really, really differently. And so um, we've seen uh, recently that one of those differences, particularly in can women be given the title and role of a pastor, um, can that be something that divides a whole church? And we just watched as as the church was um, basically expelled from a con- uh, the SBC because of their desire to give the role of pastors to women. And so we just feel like this hits all sorts of areas that we love talking about because this this hits at home for a lot of people. This can be hurtful for half the population, um, and. And it causes the question, even if you're not a part of the SBC, I'm not, David's not, um, but it helps us look at what do we do when when people are in disagreement with each other and, mm-hmm. and how do we find peace and how do we bring unity there and what's the best way of doing about it? Because right now our answer is this does not feel like the best way to deal with it. So um, David, I, I would I would love to hear maybe just some of your your quick thoughts on this and and let it yeah start our conversation today. Yeah, I think there are certain topics that um, and we could dig into this a little bit more. There are certain topics and stances that I believe that all followers of Jesus are called to seek to unite on, and then there are some that um, that we have differences on. But the way in which we carry ourselves within those differences is we could see that the other person is still a brother or sister in Christ if they're a follower of uh, of Jesus. Um, but unfortunately, what we do is we tend to vilify other views. And we could do this with anything. I mean, uh, we could do this with styles of music. Um, we do this uh, with eschatology, um, how Jesus will return and how all things in the ends unfold. Um, I made a statement this last week <laughs> and lost like 23 followers because I made a statement about the end times. And uh, there's certain things that people hold as what I would say a more gospel essential than what I think actually needs to be held to. Um, and I think in this, uh, there's a few things that I'm concerned about. The first is, are we taking on the posture of Jesus? And then as we look at the posture of Jesus, um, are we in our stances oppressing the people that Jesus liberated? Which for me, I see that he liberated women. He gave women positions, roles, put them in situations that was not normal for their culture at that time. Um but I think one of my my uh, 
biggest sadnesses right now is seen particularly the SBC. And granted, it's not it's not unique to the SBC. There's multiple other uh, yeah. denominations or movements or belief systems. Zach and I have been on staff at at one uh, place that was that had a specific view. But right now, what we're seeing with the SBC is now there's actually it seems like a witch hunt where now because they expelled this church for having a female teaching pastor that was a co-pastor with her husband. Um, now they're making a hit list going after all these churches that seem to have women titled pastor or performing specific roles where they're titled pastor or that they believe the Bible does not allow based on some of what Paul has written. And uh, I'm yeah, I'm just concerned. About, I, I'm, a, I'm a big, what is this doing for the 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 heart, the nervous system, uh, the health of the individual. And I'm concerned about personally about some of the spiritual trauma that might come from this um, as we see how people are treating one another in the name of Jesus, but utilizing the Bible specifically as a weapon. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and like, you know, part, part of what makes this unique is that the church the question is is massive <laughs> like it's one we all know saddleback and i mean i'm here in southern california so i see saddleback everywhere I interact with people from saddleback and people who work there and attend there um there's multiple campuses around me um and so it, it feels a little unique in that this is this is a major church being asked to step out of a denomination and um you know what i, what I have found fascinating to do with it is that um, from my understanding, I could be wrong. I could be wrong here, but from my understanding, it is there's nothing really that that says that Saddleback couldn't have given these women the title of pastor. It's just there's really nothing in the SBC that really you know said they couldn't do this. But then there became a like, no, now no, this is something we're disagreeing with you on here, and we're going to kick you out. And as you mentioned, one of the big concerns here is that. Uh, there have been reports that there are people within the SBC compiling, you know, a quote unquote hit list of these other churches, which tells you that there have been other churches in the SBC that have been completely okay with having women take on the the, the title and position of pastor. It almost feels like, well, now that this church, this massive church has done it, now it becomes an out. And now we've got to go on this witch hunt for these people. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things we, we've, you mentioned a little bit too, is just that this becomes a greater issue for um, understanding the authority of scripture and, and then how we interpret it, right? This is a necessarily a, an interpretive issue of scripture. And I think what I've seen in the Twitter sphere, again, <laughs> ugly place to be, but what I've seen in these conversations a lot of times comes across of this isn't just about um saddleback and 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 women becoming pastors this is a this is the authority of scripture issue if if you you know if you go and you do this you are denying the authority of scripture because yeah. it tells us that women can't be pastors duh, 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 duh. and so then it becomes this uh much larger thing it's almost as though it, um They've taken something. I, I hate to use the word secondary issue because this is like I actually think it matters. Is, yeah. yeah, it really matters, right? I feel like women in leadership, um, like that's just really important. But 
you know, at the end of the day, it's not in the like salvation stuff, you know, but it is really important, but it's, it's taking that and saying, if you can't, if you, if you will go on around and ordaining pastors, you're denying the authority of scripture because mm-hmm. it tells us you can't do that. Um, and, and I think that's where we're looking at is like, wait, yeah, that that's, this is not a authority of scripture. This is your interpretation of scripture. Yep. That's different from Salback's interpretation of scripture. It's different from my interpretation of scripture here. Um, and what seems clear to you doesn't seem very clear to me, right? Yep. Yeah, I think that that is one of the uh, simplistic ways to approach some of these is to just say, well, you're not being biblical when it's about my interpretation that I'm holding as an authority. Person, we could we could gather around the Bible, open a passage, and have differing views of that topic, that that doctrine, set in the other. If, if we're gathering around scripture, I think it's immature and I think it's actually an attack to then tell somebody they're not being biblical when they're attempting to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I were talking about this like right before we started recording. Uh, we we're talking a little bit about, uh, I, I won't go too long on this, but we we're talking about what's called open theism. Uh-huh. I'll give the short thing. Open theists, one of their beliefs is that. Um, that God's mind can be changed, that he can be influenced by humans to change his mind. Then there's classic the- theists that say, nope, God God knows exactly what he's going to do. He he has everything planned out. You can't change his mind. And to me, what's so interesting about those arguments is that if you're an open theist, you can find all sorts of scripture that are as clear as day that God changes his mind. Yeah. Uh and you can be like, it's clear. It's right here. It's the authority of scripture. And if you're a classic theist, you can look at it and be like, there are plenty of times that makes it where it's like, God does not change his mind. He's yeah. unchanged. Now, when you're like, well, then what is it? <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's clear, but we have these. And so we're looking at this issue here of, of, um, of women as pastors and teachers. And you're like, okay, I can go in here and I can see examples of women pastoring and teaching and like, I mean, I'm going to show my cards here. I believe women can and should be pastors and can teach. And like, I'm firmly in that belief here, but I'm not, excuse me, I'm not dumb enough to be like, oh, but there's no passages that say they can't. I realize there's some difficult passages there. Um, and I think what's hard is that that doesn't always feel like that's received uh, on the other end, right? By like an SBC, if I'm painting them as one big group here, is that. To them, they see the passages like a Timothy or, you know, 1 Corinthians 14, and they're like, well, it's clear as day. Yeah. And that's it. That's the authority of Scripture. And it's like, well, what about all the other places in the Bible where it really seems to show that women can be pastors and teach and were the first ones to take the gospel? You know, like, there's so much there. And so it's like, we have to be able to lend the courtesy to each side to say, yeah, you're right. There are, I have to admit, there are difficult passages for my position, and there are difficult mm-hmm. passages for your position, which is why this is an interpretive issue and not this clear as day authoritative issue where I'm just, by me believing that women can and should be pastors and can and should teach, uh, isn't me being like, well, I'm just going to ignore those passages. It's, it's an interpretive decision. Mm-hmm. It's me being like, no, I actually think there are things within the scripture that point to that view, even including the ones that are really difficult. And I've had to wrestle with them 
to get to that interpretation of why I see that. And if you don't think what we can teach and don't be pastors, you have to do the same thing. And it, and, and you can't ignore that process and just say, Oh, it's clear as day, you know, yeah. Timothy, first Corinthians 14. <laughs> yep. Which is what happens a lot. I think um, there's probably watching or listening to this. There's probably people from a couple different camps. We might have some people. I, I know I talked to some people that, you know, they are in the process of deconstruction or have deconstructed or or have walked through religious trauma. And this particular topic has been one of those things where they're like, man, I, I can't buy on to that. Uh, and they use the term oppression, oppression of women. And there's probably some people watching or listening to this right now that are like, no, the Bible clearly says women can't. And so uh, I think as we continue on in this conversation, I, I would like for us to say, well, how can we, how could we learn to think he uh, as we open those passages? And I think one of the things to use the term, the Bible clearly says, Without doing the homework of uh, like why, uh, who wrote it, some of the yeah. authorial uh, intent, intent, some of language. the <laughs> language, uh, what the audience would have heard, where it's yeah. being written. I think that if I could encourage everybody, no matter where you are, if you're if you're deconstructing, if you've walked through trauma, if you're like I can't buy that, or if you're like, man, the Bible clearly says. I think all of us here would do well to learn some of those methods of interpretation. Yeah, I think like what you said, the um, the statement, the Bible clearly says, I feel like it's always followed by something where you're like, the Bible doesn't really clearly say that. Um, because we, we do have to lend to the idea that there are so many interpretive issues and yeah, just one of the things that I've loved going to school, you know, one of the things I saw that was so interesting being in a class where we talked about textual criticism, which is like, do we, like, are we actually interpreting the Bible well when it's in its language? You know, we're looking at multiple manuscripts. Did we pick the right, like, version of the Bible? And and I love it. But being in a class as you're going through that, it almost feels like there's like two doors that people go through. They either fall in love with it. And like, this is so exciting. Like I can see where God is in this insanely difficult process that it's a miracle. We have our scripture and I, and I want to be there and, and you like be part of this, digging it up and, and making sure we're all right. The other doorway feels like, Whoa, this is, this feels like our Bible's incorrect. If there's all these possible mistakes and manuscript issues and wait, the Vulgate says this and the set to, I'm, I'm using yep. words that don't mean it to the people, but like when you start getting down that, I've seen people like spiral out of that. It becomes this whole, ah. And so it feels easier just to look at like our English Bibles and just be like, that's it. I don't need to. It's, it's a lot easier just to push out all those um, pathways that we do have to go down that you mentioned that we do have to consider context and, and culture and how the audience heard it. Like, um, and it feels like when we just simply say, well, my English Bible clearly says here mm -hmm. that Paul says, I do not allow women to teach. And so if a church is doing that, they're not listening to the authority of scripture. And I, and I do sympathize a little bit with that when it's like, well, it does say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But again, you're, you're, you're picking things out. And in fact, what we should do is when we get to something like that, the reason we, we think of those passages and have really specific ones is because they're the oddities. Like, that's the reason we go to them so much is yep. we're like, this is actually really odd that Paul said this because it doesn't really fit with a lot of the other things that he has said and practiced and been a part of. Um, like, is this really the same Paul who like sent a, a female to read his most important letter, the book, like when he sent, and now I'm blanking on names, maybe you, I should have uh, the name. John Phoebe. Yes. Thank you. Like, her reading the book of Romans when she delivered it didn't mean she just read it. It meant she like interpreted it for the yep. people, right? Like she's, she was, she was the teaching pastor in that yes, moment. She was the teaching pastor. She was probably the first person who had to explain what the heck Paul meant. Right. Um, and like, we, we just can't ignore those little things there because the things we really look at, these things that stand out to us that I do not permit a woman to teach and, uh, a woman should yep. say silent. These passages from Paul, they stand out as the, that's really weird for Paul to yep. say. And not so much the, oh, well, it's clear cut and dry and it's it's consistent with everything Paul has done. That's what we have to look at here. Um, yeah, dude, do you want to look at some of these passages? Yeah, let me also add just real quickly is what, what Zach's saying is true. I, I wrote an ebook on the atonement a couple of years ago. I, I have two, but I wrote one that was a lot longer than the first one. It was about 76-ish pages. And in order for me to make my case, I had to deal with Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53, there's two verses in there that are super weird. And we could get a really inaccurate theology of the posture of the Father that is not in line with the rest of Scripture if we just say, well, this is clearly what the Bible says. And I made a, a I actually pitched a case to say, like, no, the Septuagint is the most accurate. If you look at what's happening covenantially, if you look at what's happening uh, with the rest of scripture and God's heart in it. And so, um, so it's, it is, it is work and, um, and it, it is, it's, it's difficult. And then some of the translators, honestly, they have their own theological bent. And so you have to wrestle with translations a little bit, you know? Um, but yeah, one of the ones, and I, I'm, I'm reading out of NIV here. One of the ones uh, that we were talking about is the first Timothy uh, where Paul's writing to Timothy to give instructions. And, um, you know, it, 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 it right away, let me see if I can find it. Well, I'll just, I'll just read verse 11. W women, should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over man. I'll continue reading. She must be quiet for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So, um, just just to pause there, you're like, well, this is this verse is misused in a lot of ways. First of all, it's saying women can't teach or hold authority in our churches, but it also then uses the Adam and Eve basically to say, like, 
you know, the, the woman's second in command. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I just I'm gonna quickly just highlight here is in this in this entire letter, there is a unique focus on the women um within the community. And you're like, man, why is there a unique focus on the women within the community? I mean, there's here's how we handle widows, here's what a widow is defined within the community. And what it seems like is happening is, as you read it, if you were to read it with the lenses of the entire context of this letter, is that Paul's trying to warn them against a belief system that seems to be permeating through, uniquely through the women there in their culture. And you see, he closes this letter uh, in chapter 6 verse 20 saying turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge you know gnosis or um it's where we actually get the this is the beginnings of what we get that that we know as the heresy of gnosticism yeah. And so what Paul is getting here is that there's this Gnostic belief system that's beginning to form, and it really catches hold in the next century, but it's beginning to form here, and it is uniquely permeating through the women in Ephesus specifically. Um just to highlight a few things. First of all, what we know historically from Ephesus, if we were to look at a at a at this idea of 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 interpretive method based on the the cultural context, there is a temple to the goddess known as Diana or um, Artemis. And in this cult to Artemis, there's a few things. It's very female-centric very female-centric, then the women would adorn themselves. It talks about not adorning themselves. It talks about modesty. The women would adorn themselves with these beautiful ways of dressing in order to attract other people, specifically women, into this cult. And so that's another interpretive thing. When it talks about modesty, it's not talking about getting men's attention. It's women getting women's attention to lure them into this cult. So here you have women teaching women uh, uh, these cultish beliefs. Now, one of those beliefs is that, um, that uh, you know how we call the tree uh, that that God put in the garden and told them not to eat from. It's called the knowledge of the good and evil. Well, that's what we're fighting against here is this, this uh, cult, this heresy called the knowledge. And they believe that when Eve ate of the tree, that instead of her being cursed and condemned um, for seizing autonomy, uh, that she actually came into what is known as the knowledge and that she was liberated and lifted. And so what Paul most likely is doing here when he talks about Adam and Eve is he's not saying, hey, women are subject to men. He's saying, no, when she ate of the tree, it didn't liberate her. It actually brought on uh, the need now for salvation, which will only come through Jesus. Let me just point out one other thing in, in verse 11. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. We have to actually understand this is a liberating piece because in that time, women did not learn. 
And so Paul is actually giving them the green light to learn. The other piece in in, chat, uh, in verse 12 that we can look at is, I do not permit a woman to teach. Now, in the original language here, there's some play that the, that the uh, translators had to land on. But there's a couple possibilities. The I do not permit a woman to teach might actually be specifically towards one woman, as opposed to generally the women that he's speaking to. So it could specifically be he's writing to say, no, that one woman, I do not want her teaching. And then the way in which it utilizes the word teaching, it's not actually a lack of permission forever. It's actually for a specific period of time so that they or she can learn. And so we have to be careful not to copy and paste this into our time and say, like, no, this is for all of us now. And it is a lengthy existence, a forever existence that women can't teach. Most likely, Paul is either talking about one woman or the women that are that this is permeating through and saying, hey, just for a period of time, let them learn the truth about the gospel. So I just wanted to highlight some of those things to say, hey, if we were just to say the Bible clearly says and read it in English, we might miss some of the context of what's happening generally in the wider letter. Now, let me th- if I could toss out one other thought that you said is when people say the Bible clearly says and don't walk through the context with me and I'm okay wrestling and battling through some of those contextual things because Honestly, is it to one woman? Is it to the women? Is it like there's some stuff we that actually is not clear. The Bible does not clearly say it. It's not clear. So we could wrestle with that. But normally then where I turn it is to Romans. Romans 16, where Phoebe brings the letter. And so it's Phoebe that is the teaching pastor to the church of Rome in that moment. But if you look down a few verses, Paul is writing and he calls a woman by the name of Junia, an apostle among apostles. It's like, well, then what do we do with that? So I don't know, Zach, if you have any other thoughts around that, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. I mean, the last part you mentioned there, Junia, is usually the solution is just change your name. So that's a, it's a male name. Which has 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 been done in translation. Like, well, let's Uh, just make it a man name. Yeah, let's make it a man name. And and then boom. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, as you were going through all that context, I, I, I was um, trying to place myself in a spot of uh, not believing you. <laughs> um, and I, I think, and I do, but I, I think one of the things that I feel like I've heard is, well, God's scripture is for everyone to understand. And I don't have that. The Bible doesn't give me that context you just told me. So then how am I supposed to know it? Right. And, and what I find, I, I'm sympathetic towards that because I'm like, well, yeah, it does it. Like we don't, the Bible doesn't tell you that about Ephesus. And, um, you know, this is us having to put these context clues together. It doesn't explicitly tell us there's no, there's no actual study Bible that we are, you know, that's God ordained that that's inspired yeah. that gives us that context. But I, I feel like sometimes we're pretty picky and choosy when it comes to what context stuff we like to listen to. I was thinking yeah. as you're explaining about like, um, the parable of the prodigal son and how many times I've heard a sermon where someone pulls in all this story to make it actually mean something really powerful. That's all this cultural stuff. That's just not there on like on the text, but I've sat with people who who love that and eat that 
this context stuff up because it, it 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 like it makes the story make so much more sense. And there are many parables about Jesus that make almost zero sense to us without the context clues. And so sometimes we're pretty choosy about like, well, I like when we do it with that, but what you're doing now that that feels a little you're you're just making stuff up. You're making it way harder than it is. And so sometimes it feels like we're a little we're yeah. a little choosy there. But again, that's like I mean, this is something I, I I love to point out is that for some reason, God has chosen that his method of communication is an ancient collection of stories and, and texts and poetry and prose that were collected over a long period of time, written by multiple people that have been passed down. And that's his method. And so we have to respect the method of interpreting that, right? Like if he picked the movie... We'd have to interpret it like we interpret movies, but he chose an ancient text. And so like other ancient texts to understand it, we got it. We got to translate it. We got to interpret it. We got to know the culture. God has, God has chosen to wrap the Bible within that world. And to me, that's a beautiful picture of God that he yeah. didn't just drop this from the sky, right? He chose flawed humans to write his story and use that to reveal himself. And so we have to step in to that world. And that involves to better understand it, looking at those context things, as, as you mentioned here, um, and to not just be like, well, it so that's how it is. And I think the other worrisome thing here that we maybe have hinted at, but what really concerns me is that a lot of these things then become a litmus test for everything else, right? I think partly why the SBC saw this as such an issue with, with Saddleback was that well, this becomes a, a slippery slope because we yeah. believe that this is clear authority of scripture that women cannot be pastors. You have decided that it is not. Therefore, you are like you have rejected the authority of scripture. And to me, that's like we can't we can't make litmus litmus tests out. What's the plural of litmus? Litmuses? Litmus 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 test out of like all these secondary things that aren't like super clear and like, like the, the core of the gospel, right? Like I saw a tweet, I shared it with you um, where someone was basically like women as pastors is a litmus test for how you believe the authority of scripture. And if you, if you think women can be pastors, then, then you've rejected the authority of scripture. <laughs> and someone replied and just said, if you don't greet your brother with a holy kiss each Sunday, <laughs> that you know you have rejected the authority of scripture and it's you know it's goofy you laugh at it but you're like well that's not that far off because yeah Paul does tell us to greet each other with a holy kiss and i don't i do not do that right like, yeah if i rejected the authority of god because so, the bible so clearly tells me to greet my brother with the holy kiss right and it's it's silly and goofy but i actually think that demonstrates the absurdity of of cutting off churches and cutting off brothers and sisters on things like this and not working hand in hand and saying, you have a different interpretation of me. I have a different interpretation than you. Do you fall within the great orthodoxy of Christianity and yeah. following after Jesus? That's great. You know, like, um, and I think, you know, our, our time's kind of winding down here, um, David, but I would love um, if we could just maybe, Talk a little bit about how we've seen that work well. How do we see yeah. people who have different interpretations of scripture, different ideas of what the Bible mm -hmm. says, 
working together and not creating the separation that we're seeing right now with Saddleback and the SBC. Yeah, it, I mean, it's difficult. I am connected to the Anglican churches in North America, which as far back as the 1600s has a way of holding the tensions. And so it's just kind of natural, normal. But my specific church, which that I'm at serving is a non-denominational church, and it's the same way. So we we say that kind of our terminology is unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials or the second, and in all things love. And so our goal, and we we define uh, we define what the essentials are. We say the Nicene Creed, but we've kind of broke out our doctrinal statement to where about 95% of it's the Nicene Creed, and it's it's a little bit more linear and systematic like a lot of other churches do. But um, there are certain things that historically since 325 AD that, that the church has said, no, like this is what we unite on. And you can Google the Nicene Creed if you want. It's Trinitarian theology talking about the work of each one of the God, uh, the Godhead, the persons of the Trinity. Um, and it, it lays it down, talking about the church, talking uh, slightly about scripture, talking about, you know, uh, the return of Christ, resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. All those all those things are in there where our goal is to help people come to a place where we unite on these things. And certain things like eschatology, uh, you know, spiritual gifts, um, they're all secondary to us. Now, we do have, and there, uh, you know, Zach, you know her. We have a female pastor on staff who who pulls a lot of the preaching weight, this equal preaching weight as me. She is one of the most gifted people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, and so we, we as a church have decided that even though we know there's people in our seats that differ on that opinion, we are going to celebrate her voice her, and her giftings and, and put her in that position. Um, and some people have said, you know, this is not for me and moved on uh, for that or other reasons. Um, we've had people that want to make the Calvinist debate a big deal, and they've moved on. Um, Just forget about that debate. <laughs> yeah. So we are a very a unique – we are a unique my, – my church, a uniquely charitable, diverse church. And I've never really – outside of some of the Anglican movement, I've never experienced it. My lead pastor's original ordination, and he still technically is ordained. He's United Methodist. Um, uh, I'm with the Anglican Church. We have another teaching uh, guy on our team who's ordained Assemblies of God, and he's a professor, and he's a known author with Zondervan. And we all differ on all these things, and we just kind of joke together, and we might poke at each other, say, like, if we're having lunch or something. And we have this love and care. And even I might preach something one way, and Derek might preach something from a totally different perspective the next week. And we see that as, man, that's helpful for our people to think. And so I think that there's a healthy way to do that of like, I'm not pulling people. If I preach something from a different perspective than Derek did maybe last month, I'm not challenging him. I'm not saying he's wrong. Um, I'm helping people think, and there's a way in which we could honor, uh, even when we preach, we say, hey, as much as we can, let's highlight some of the differences. And that's like super weird. So like, if I'm preaching and I preached on Genesis, I'm like, 
you know, I, I hold the cosmic temple perspective, which might make the, the, the view of the, the timeline of earth way longer than 6,000 years. We have the a theistic evolutionist on our teaching team. We have some people that are young earth creationists that teach the study. So what I do is I say, here are the different views that people that hold scripture authoritative might yeah. have. And so let me explain them to you and just let you know that God is bigger than what we know. And that's kind of how we do it. But I do know I'll say our church is super unique in that. That's not the norm. But I think it's a healthy way to shoot for having relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ with differences. So, yeah. 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 It's And that's I'm, I'm really excited to ask you about that because I, I know that about your church and your experience there. And it's unfortunate that, as you say, uh, it's 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 unique. It's not the norm. Um, yeah. And I wish it was, right? Like, that's partly why we're looking at this topic and, and doing this podcast is we would love to see that become more of the norm uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ could work side by side from so many different traditions. And um, I almost feel like you're in fairy tale land as you're telling me all this stuff, because it just, it feels from past experience, it just feels that that's impossible. And and I wish it's, it weren't, we could. It's so I have no anxiety that I hold a different opinion than somebody else on staff. I, I don't feel like anybody's trying to cut me out. And I think that I, I actually think the more and more followers of Jesus could feel safe. I think the healthier the places where they serve and the more they look like Jesus, the more attractive they would be to, to people from the outside. Yeah. 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 Seems that we are all too quick to call each other heretics over such yeah. things that should not be uh, the dividing line there. And that's really unfortunate. Um, well, I I do hope that uh, David, your your story and and your experience lends a hope for people who feel hopeless as we watch, you know, people get torn down and as we watch things break apart and um, and I hope that we can step into that. Uh, any last other thoughts here, David, as we come to a close here? Not really. I would just encourage anybody who opens scripture to have fun investigating. Like. That. That's 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 all I would say is is you know I I I um there was a guy who was challenging me years ago and some of the things I was writing saying hey as you're adding all these obstacles for investigation um you're you're losing the purity of the plain scripture I'm like man like I think I think first of all I think our faith if we view it as like I, I've used the analogy of water park. You have <laughs> wave pools and you have water slides and you have deep ends and diving boards. And we're all hanging out at the kiddie pool, you know, and uh not not willing to take risks to try something new. I think that if you understand the history of our faith there is so much complexity of what led to the words that are written here and why that we could actually have fun investigating it. We could yeah. have new revelations of who God is so that we know how to translate um, some things to our day. But also the Holy Spirit does the work um, as we have new aha moments of God, which allows it to be more practical. So, yeah. I love that. Great example. Great example for you as an Arizonan using the water park example. <laughs> uh, 
That's where they all are. So, uh, well, thank you all for listening uh, to the Evolution of Faith podcast. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you next time as soon as we get another pod recorded.